Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the man. of Team Turnbuckle IB Sports Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Ron L., you like the, the new intro song? Was that good, or do we need to go to Jericho? I know we discussed that we definitely needed to have one. Absolutely, but uh, I don't know. I was starting to really kind of get into it. I was kind of upset you kind of cut it short. <laughs> well, it took me like two hours to actually figure out how to convert it to an MP3 so I could load it up on this. Uh, so I was just very excited that I got that 30-second clip up. But uh, this is going to be a special edition of the Team Turnbuckle Wrestling Podcast with your co-host, myself, Keith Fleming, Ron L. Tinsley. A buddy of mine, Sean, from high school, is also a big wrestling fan. I hope he's going to be able to call in because we're going to go over some lists. We set the podcast for an hour and a half, so I'm actually hoping we will have time on the back end to discuss some of the AEW, WWE fanless stuff, because it's been a crazy week. WrestleMania now looks like it's going to be fanless, but uh, if we don't get to talk to that at the end of the uh, podcast, we will uh, do another one next week, and we'll go over that and, you know, all the other stuff that we missed in that time. But uh, I actually put this in the Ivy Sports group, which before we get started, if you're not a member of the Ivy Sports Facebook group, uh, you need to join it. Uh, if you are a member of the Ivy Sports Facebook group, or if you haven't, there also is an all-star premium package. It is very worth it. It allows you to be commissioner for the day. You have right to post uh, without having to go through the process that everybody else does, and uh, it's it's worth it. We, there's not any gambling going on. I'd say you get my co-host of my gambling podcast, Alan, all of his gambling picks, but, I mean, he can't find anything because there's no sports to gamble on, but... Normally you can, and then the other thing is if you do like this podcast, you listen to it, we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review it. Uh, that is big for helping us grow our audience, and uh, we'd appreciate that. Please five stars, though, if you're going to do that. But, again, today we're going to be going over uh, – we'll just call it the best of WrestleMania. I sent this out in the group. Here's the categories we're going to go over. I've asked myself, Ronnell, and my buddy Sean when he calls in, to go over their top five uh, Mania matches of all time. We're then going to discuss your favorite Mania match of all time. And the reason that question is after your top fives, I did ask them to, you know, what do you think would be on a lot of people's list? And then what is actually your favorite? It can be one from your five, but it's trying to get where we each got different ones. Then we're going to discuss our most underrated and overrated Mania match of all time. The top five performers uh, at Mania, in our opinion, and then our favorite Mania match when you include the build-up, storyline, and payoff. So that's, again, different than the matches because it's not so much about the match. It's including the match, the build-up to it, and then also how did it pay off in the end. So let's go ahead and start with the your, you know top five Mania matches. Ronnie, you want to go first? You there, buddy? Sorry, unintentionally muted myself. Sorry about that. 
You are so good, man. No Do you want to go first? Order. Absolutely. In no particular order, I'm starting off with the uh, the Battle of the Hart Brothers, Owen versus Brett at uh, WrestleMania 10. Of course, you know, there's all kinds of backstory to it with the way that they built it up. It's a phenomenal story, and it was a uh, it was really really sad. Uh, the more I uh, reminisce uh, back on that about how uh, we were deprived of seeing Owen Hart actually hitting his prime. He was ready to go and be the next big thing, just as big, if not bigger than what Brett was. And uh, what those two uh, really did in WrestleMania 10 was really amazing. Um, my others were not specifically just for the match themselves. It was more for the moment. Uh, WrestleMania 20, Chris Benoit and uh, Eddie Guerrero first, both capturing their first heavyweight titles and then getting to celebrate at the end. What a fantastic moment. Um, I had a friend of mine who was actually at that show, so that's probably his all-time favorite mania moment. And, I mean, what can you say about that moment? Those two, uh, after they came over from WCW and everything that they had meant to the game at that time and what Eddie went on to really become, of course, uh, legendary. Um, Absolutely. Next, still. Have... Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Some people may really disagree with this one uh, because the match itself wasn't all that fantastic. But I'm going to go all the way back to WrestleMania 2 and say Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy. And allow me to explain why. This was the first time in a WrestleMania that the uh, World Heavyweight Championship was defended. It was also... Uh, the first time, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in a long time that they had like reintroduced the steel cage match because WWE had started getting away from that uh, during that time frame. You would only see a steel cage match uh, as like one of those last resort type of deals. So that's the only reason that this one really goes up there because it's more of a nostalgic thing just because of how many heavyweight championships have changed hands throughout the years at WrestleMania. Um, Number four for me, I have the People's Champion versus my childhood icon, again, Hulk Hogan. Of course, as I became an adult, his uh, uh, spot on my Mount Rushmore pretty much uh, dissipated. But, you know, honestly, no, uh, all all kidding aside – whether you like him or not, in all of the saying the prayers, eating your vitamins, all that good stuff, Hulk Hogan, whether you like his personality, whether you care for him or not, is one of the greatest of all time. And if it wasn't for him, you know, WrestleMania would not be WrestleMania at all. Probably would never have happened. So I have uh, Rock Hogan for number four. And number five, it's probably going to be on the Mount Rushmore of anybody's WrestleMania match list. Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat, WrestleMania three, when they blew off the crowd of a 93,000 fan uh, stadium. And wow, what an, an amazing, amazing match. You know, you had the George the Animal Steel, of course, Miss Elizabeth, the whole spectacle of WrestleMania, the Intercontinental Championship. What more can I really say about that? So, yeah, that's my top five. I love those. Those are some different picks, which is great. And, I I mean, like, that's what I loved about when we posted this in the group. I mean, 
I don't there's it's wrestling is not a sport that or a, excuse me a sport an entertainment that where you know that there's no good or bad I mean people can have a collective opinion and the masses but it's about what you enjoy and uh the Steamboat Savage match it's not on my list it was one I really considered but it, it, that was really the beginning of, you know, moving towards the wrestling we're at today where these guys can just really go in the ring. Because before that, you know, you had these bigger guys that were slower, the matches were slower paces. And, you know, for a wrestling fan like me who loves guys like Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, you know, uh, Shawn Michaels, I can't thank them enough because if it wasn't for that match and, you know, the reaction it got, we wouldn't be where we're at today. Uh I'm going to go over my top five Mania matches. And, again, this probably, for people listening, they're going to upset some people. I don't really care. This is my opinion. Uh, And, again, these are in no order. I got the first one is Daniel Bryan, Triple H, Batista, Mania 30. It's all about the Daniel Bryan winning moment, you know, the ultimate underdog storyline, overcoming literally, at that point, half of year, of, you know, being put down and having opportunities stolen or taken from them by the brass at WWE. I mean, you remember this storyline started at SummerSlam the previous year. He defeated John Cena, which was supposed to be his title moment. And then Triple H pedigrees him. Randy Orton cashes in. And at that point, you thought they were building up a storyline. But somewhere it seemed like they weren't because by the time we got to Rumble, he had not been back in the title. He was getting further and further away. He fought in a match against Bray Wyatt to lead the, the card, lost, and everybody go, okay, he'll be in the Rumble. He was not in the Rumble. The crowd booed Roman Reigns out of the building. I, I think to this day that was where WWE really screwed Roman Reigns by doing that to him because I don't think they were so mad at Reigns. They were just livid that, A, Daniel Bryan didn't win, and, B, he wasn't even in the match. Uh, and then somewhere in between Rumble and Mania, they swapped. You had the, the Occupy uh, Raw. Eventually, Brian is put into the title match, but only with a caveat that he had to beat Triple H in the opening match. It could have easily been on this list. And then for him to beat Orton and Batista in his second match of the night, and just that final shot of him holding the titles in the air, leading the Yes chant, and, I mean, the Superdome is going nuts doing it with him. It was a great moment. That's the first one on my list. And the second one is the Mega Powers exploding, Macho Man versus Hogan, Mania 5. I think mm. it may be the greatest build of all time. Uh, it was just a master class. You know, they paired these two guys together. Hogan helped Macho win the title at Mania 4 in the first ever tournament for the title. They, they were buddies all year, and then slowly you saw seeds, and, and they started to very slowly break up. Macho got, you know, jealous of Hogan and Elizabeth. And eventually, of course, they exploded. I thought that the match is not great. Most Hogan matches are not, you know, technical masterpieces. But <laughs> I just thought it was fantastic. Macho is the ultimate, like, just heel or face. Macho is just so cool. And and he's on a couple of matches on my list. And it's amazing looking back how over he was as a heel even back then when it wasn't, you know, kind of the cool thing to do to root for the heels. It's just because cool, everybody right? loved him so much. Exactly. Uh, the third match on the list, and this is the one that I know is going to get the most ire, but I don't care. John Cena versus The Rock at Mania 28. It's the only match in history. It was announced a year in advance. 
it basically was a three-year story from start to finish. It started with the Rock costing Cena at the previous Mania, 27, helping the Miz win his title. They announced the match the next night on Raw. The build was incredible, both for two of the best guys on the mic ever. I know people get mad at Cena, but it was just like his promo the other night in a ring in front of no fans. The dude can talk. Uh, and then yeah, just being yeah. genuinely shocked that the, the Rock won in his hometown. I didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, and I know most people will say, what well, had too many finishers. It was sloppy at times. And that's fair, but it also was very exciting. I remember I was really invested in that match. And The Rock did tear his, I think, uh, pectoral muscle during the match, which that kind of shows mm. he also is a bad mofo in real life. Uh, and I just think this is the spectacle match that belongs on these lists instead of the Andre Hulk match that you find on so many because if you do the the work rate or the stars in the Andre Hulk match versus this one, I mean, it's like you got, you know, uh, Dean Malenko versus uh, Chris Benoit. Uh, so then my fourth <laughs> is Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart, the, uh, the Iron Man match at Mania 12. I, I, when I posted this in the group, a lot of people actually had this on the overrated list. I, I sort of understand that, but I look at it. This started, you know, several things in the WWE. It was the beginning of smaller, better wrestlers in the main event scene. What started with Macho mm-hmm. and Steamboat and Mania 3, this was basically solidified here. It also changed main events and the time limits. I mean, they went over an hour, and before that, most of the main, main events were maybe 20 minutes. And if you look outside of right, Brock right. Lesnar's the last couple of years, they're now at least, you know, 25, 30, 35 minutes. And I think that's what the marquee match should be. Uh, and it, it just, it was great. I mean, these are two of the greatest to ever do it. They went for over an hour. And even though it broke my heart because I was a huge Bret the Hitman Hart fan, you know, HBK's victory was the night a boyhood dream came true. And it led to so many other stories later down the line. Uh, and then the last um, match is Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. Mine actually uh, favorite is the first one, which that's Mania 25. I think it may be the greatest match ever. Good one. Uh, it's it's so good, uh, and it it just the build was great. Uh, I'm sick that this was a period that uh, like. People, uh, I wasn't into wrestling at that time, uh, but I have watched this so many times where, like, the buildup was really kind of rushed. It wasn't like the, the, the Mania 26 match where obviously you had all that, but the in-the-ring wrestling was so great. You just had the, the you know, the visuals of Shawn Michaels in the white, the Undertaker in the black, and then you had the fact that this was really the match, in my opinion, where the streak was made. Because before this match, yes, the streak was starting to get some attention. I think the Randy Orton match was the first time they really paid attention to it. That was six, seven years earlier. But if you look at his competitors the years after this compared to the years before, this became the main event at WrestleMania and not, you know, just kind of the sideshow. And, again, I just think that this was, like, the greatest wrestling match I've ever seen. I just want to also say I feel so bad for the guys that had to go after this match. This was the only match on this list that was not the last match of the night, and I just could not imagine 
when that match ended and they were going back through the curtain, those next two guys that realized, like, oh, shit, I've got to go and follow this up. So uh, they they really put on a show. My buddy Sean, uh, Ron L, is calling in. I'm going to unmute him now. Sean, you there? I am here. You are the man. For those who don't know, Sean is one of my oldest friends, one of the only other people in the area we grew up that were diehard wrestling fans. I was joking the other night that we used to go to Blockbuster at 11 p.m. and rent <laughs> wrestling videos, showing our age a little bit there. And uh, we would occasionally, when we got intoxicated, not that we did that too much, uh, would get fired up and, and take chops uh, until we'd wake up the next morning and our chest would be purple. So uh, we have been wrestling fans for a long time. We just finished both of our top five Mania matches. Do you want to go over yours? I will gladly. I think a lot of ours uh, paralleled one another. Um, and then I had to edit mine to take out Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels. So you know, <laughs> I, I had to get in a few there. Um, I think I heard you <laughs> covering um, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker 2, which I had. I have it five, and I have my Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker one from Mania 25 at one, and those are vice versa. I mean, is one any better than other? Like you said, with the buildup um, and all that was on the line for Shawn, um, with the second one, um, it, it's like picking between your favorite children. You know, I don't really think you can. Um, and both both matches were spectacular. Uh, and like you said, and, and with the streak, you know, that's kind of when the streak began. Um, so that that was just magnificent. Both matches, the endings. I The only, like, if I could nitpick the the number two, I loved the ending. Um, however, I wish he would have just annihilated Sean at the end, you know, and I love Sean Michaels, but I, and he did take him, but I wanted to see him like pull every finisher on him just to like close the book entirely. Um, Cause I think that's like the drive that Sean had for his career and the enthusiasm he put into those matches. Um, so that would have been my only slight nitpick, uh, but Fabulous, fabulous matches. And then for number two, I had the Ironman match between uh, Sean and Brett, uh, which still to this day, I mean, as far as skills and technicality and um, just overall wrestling tactic, you, you can't put two people in the be- in a ring and have a better outcome. And, I mean, um, they went for over an hour. Yeah. So that, 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 that just speaks for itself. And I mean, you got, just think of who you have in your main events right now, going into the WrestleMania and, you know, all four of those guys couldn't add up to an hour of wrestling, um, <laughs> you know, so it, it just shows you like the athleticism that those two guys had. And then I got Bret Hart and Stone Cold, um, which I believe is on one of your faves somewhere, but just because I think because of what that manifested, like that was the beginning of a real era and it was almost accidental, um, especially with in that match. And you don't see that in wrestling too often to where 
you have a heel and they have this plan for the heel and basically the crowd gets behind them and and everything starts to shift. Um, and, and for something that, that was that organic, I think it is really awesome and really special to see. And especially when it's unplanned. Um, so I thought that's, that's gotta be up there. And then, um, just for like the, I guess the monumental, not that it was good wrestling, um, but to see the warrior and Hogan in uh, WrestleMania going at it. And I mean, neither are fabulous wrestlers, but to have like those Colossus of Klaus type matches where you had all the warrior fans and the Hulkamaniacs and the promos, you know, I'm the chosen one and the face paint and then, you know, these two guys run into each other and neither move, then they push each other and neither move, then they both close line each other, you know, and it's like to see that, you know, and, and that, that just, that's just that nostalgia that brings you back to your childhood of, you know, in the yellow and red or in the warrior paint. Um, I thought that's up there just because you rarely have two fan favorites, um, like legitimate fan favorite baby faces going up against each other with that kind of enthusiasm and that kind of following and passion um, behind them. I mean, that's back when, you know, people would cry when their wrestlers lost. Uh, so <laughs> I think, it was a title. It was real to me. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Uh I'm going to do my favorite Mania match of all time because Sean just went over, and I don't want to go too much over ones that we're going to be duplicating, but mine's Stone Cold versus Brett, Mania 13. It's a literally a brutal street fight. I I watched it two days ago just because it had been a while since I had seen it. Uh, And this, again, was like such a long build. It was such a – I mean, Stone Cold just continued to screw Brett at the rumble that he won that year – he actually was eliminated by Brett. It's yeah, still cheated. one of the great moves. Yeah. I'm shocked. Yeah, they haven't done it since where the ref <laughs> didn't see it. He sneaks back in and then eliminates <laughs> Brett. Uh, and, I mean, they still haven't done it since. It was such a great, like, call. And uh, it just kept building up. And it was just great. It, you know, that you talked about the double turn. It's, it's the greatest one in history. Uh, all you need to look at is the Del Rio Ziggler one that happened, I don't know, that's now been probably six, seven years ago that failed miserably. It's really hard to pull off, and these guys did it. And then the biggest thing for me is just it is the perfect finish for what they were trying to do, to have Stone Cold pass out, not tapping, refusing to, blood just rushing down his face. It, it, it's probably the greatest visual in the history of wrestling, uh, then to have Brett snap after the you know the match, and then what happened after it? It led to Stone Cold's rides, which Sean's talking about, and you know he dominated the next four years of the product, and it also really started a great like heel run for Bret Hart, which nobody thought he could do, and it was right. really interesting because he was cheered out of the U.S. and then just booed like hell inside of it. Uh, and this obviously led to the screw job and, you know, Montreal and him leaving the company, and it's my favorite match ever. Uh, Sean, why don't you go ahead and go first with your favorite match ever, and then we'll get to Ron L. Mine was the same, and for many of the points that you brought up, um, 
I just think it was so unexpected and because that basically started an error, like you can see a very defining change in wrestling and especially in the WWE right there, you know, where the the wrestlers changed, the attitude era came in, the whole us against the system um, and to see the crowd kind of shift because going into it, um, you know, Stone Cold didn't have that backing. Like that match yep. and Stone Cold's backing was earned in that match, which that says a lot. You know, there there wasn't like a storyline and all these promos and, you know, a, attack after attack and heel turn after heel turn. And you didn't see Brett kind of going bad. Um, it happened within that match. Um, so for two wrestlers to be able to tell that uh, kind of story and create that kind of emotion in a match is, is really special. Amazing. Grano, what was your favorite? My favorite, and there are so many that you can go over, but I'm actually going to go with recent. I'm actually going to go with Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan, actually. And for reasons that are more kind of uh, personal, um, being a wrestling fan, my Jesus, most of my entire life, uh, like you guys, you know, growing up watching the, the good old stuff from the 80s, representation matters, you know, uh, it's crazy to think that, you know, the closest thing that we've gotten to a world heavyweight champion as a black guy, uh, is either Ron Simmons or Booker T or to a lesser degree, the rock. Now, uh, yeah, I know everyone's going to say, well, the rock is black. Well, the rock identifies, uh, with his heritage and I'm not mad at that. You know, we, we understand that the rock is a half black, half Samoan guy. He's very much proud of his heritage and hell. That's how he even started his career. Uh, with the way he came out. So with the buildup with uh, Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston, they did actually, it's funny how he was thrown into the elimination chamber last year as a replacement for Andrade. And then all of a sudden it was like uh, a sports team that gets hot going into the playoffs and just runs it all the way into a championship basically. And the fact that they even, kind of brought the fact that there hasn't been a all as the face of the brand in all of its years of existence really kind of, you know, was a a slight, you know, there's a lot of black people like myself who are very much big wrestling fans. And the fact that we've never seen the WWE slash F, heavyweight champion as a black guy said something up until we got the Kofi Kingston moment last year. So that is my favorite WrestleMania match. The WWE came a long way since uh, the nation of domination, you know, so it's good to (laughs) see. Yeah. Looking back at that, you're just shaking your head. (laughs) Oh, Oh, but it's, it's, but still you go back and it's great story to watch though. Right. And And they even tried to kind of oppress and keep down Kofi, didn't they? They tried to like, uh, like basically make his pass to the title impossible, but he just kept overcoming. And that's, that's similar to what Stone Cold did. Like, Kofi kind of won over 
the crowd match after match after match. And it was one of those things where, I read, oh, man, we've, we've got to use this to our advantage. I thought it was yeah, so Yeah, exactly. It's like in... Go ahead. Go ahead, Rana. You know, I, I was just saying, and yeah, the the way that they kept making it, that the crowd basically said, you have to give this to us, was amazing. And it's poetic that it mirrored Brian's rise to the title just a few years earlier. Again, nobody really knows if that was organic or it was something that WWE actually planned. I have a hard time believing they planned it because they just, they went so far off the grid of a, you know, a streamlined story. And with Kofi, it's kind of the same deal where it just, I mean, he just got so much, uh, you know, momentum from the, the fans that they basically had no choice. And it's against the same guy that was the last time you really saw that where the, you know, the fans were just like, look, this guy's going to win or we're going to friggin' burn the place to the ground. And I, I just, I love that. Uh, let's go to the most underrated mania match of all time. Uh, Ron L, why don't you go first? What's your pick? That one I actually had a hard time coming up with, so I'm actually going to pass on this one. I, I had a hard time a really problem. finding an underrated Mania match. Not a problem. Sean, go ahead, buddy. So I kind of went out on a limb and broke the barriers, and I said Shawn Michaels versus Reza Ramon. Uh, the bad guy because I mean that's always a highly rated match but if you look at the lasting impact that match has had from ECW to AEW to Money in the Bank to ladder matches to these matches that now include some sort of outside object or a table match or something I think that's one of the ones that like really started um, to create that theme and um, I don't hmm. think they had that plan going into it but now you know every year you have these money in the banks and these ladder matches where you climb up and get the title um, and you know ECW took it to an extreme which was fantastic <laughs> but to see that that lasting impact from that match and how good that match was um, I said that that's the most underrated match. I was so mad when you sent me your list that I didn't have that down for mine because it's just, it's really the perfect response. And it's one of those that you're right, that it's still viewed very highly, but we're getting so far away from it. People just have kind of forgotten how important it was. And I always laugh that, you know, the first ever ladder match in WWE, WWF was Sean and Brett. And it was at SummerSlam the year prior uh, but that's not the match anybody remembers because, honestly, right. the one between Razor and Sean was just so much better, and it was on a bigger stage. So uh, my most underrated match is, and I know this won't surprise you, Sean, it's a Bret Hart match, but it's Piper versus Hitman, <laughs> Mania 8 for the Icy Belt. Uh, Icy 1992. Yeah. That's right. We're five years from the Macho Steamboat Battles for the Icy Belt. We're two years from, uh, you know, the Warrior holding it going into the main event, the champion champion match against Hogan. And with the exception of Mr. Perfect, you had had people like the Mountie and the Texas Tornado as the Intercontinental Champion. So I really think (laughs) WWE was attempting to bring, like, prestige back to the title 
and they wanted to put Bret Hart over for what he was about to do to become basically the main guy. And, I mean, he did. He main evented three of the next five Manias. So they give the belt to Piper, who's one of the most underrated wrestlers ever. And despite him being one of the greatest heels, they decide let's make it, you know, let's go the Hogan Warrior route. Let's have them both be faces and have that passing of the torch moment. The match is amazing. It's another one I rewatched this week. If you've never watched it, do it. Piper was never known as a technician. He was a brawler and is great at talking, but he was so fantastic in this match. Uh, the Hart fans like myself would say, well, Brett could like make a broomstick look great, so that's more on Hart. But uh, either way, it was an amazing match. Hart gets busted open early. I mean, there was a lot of blood. This was a old school uh, WWE. Later, there's a ref bump, and I love the storytelling. Piper has a chance to bash Hart's basically head in with a ring bell while the ref is down. The fans are yelling no. Piper's got that look on his face like, man, he's about to crack this guy. And then he instead drops it, puts him in the sleeper hold, which was his finisher. Yes, a sleeper hold was Piper's finisher back in the day. And Hart being the technician and wrestler mind that he has, he basically gets to his feet, climbs up the, the turnbuckle, the ropes, does a backflip to where he gets Piper's shoulders down with himself turned all the way over for the three count. You know, you get that passing of the, the, the moment where Piper, you know, raises his hand. And this, again, was within the next year, actually within the next six months, Bret Hart was the world champion. So this match was so big for building Bret Hart as the world champion and also brought a lot of prestige back to the IC belt. And, again, the, the, the IC champions after this, you got to remember the British Bulldog won it, then Shawn Michaels, then Razor Ramon, then Kevin Nash, then Shawn Michaels. I mean, it really kind of changed that because when you go from the Mountie and Texas Tornado to all those names after, they recorrected, and it's something that is still wrong with wrestling today is they don't do enough with that mid-title and making it be, you know, the next in line. The guy that's going to be the next dude needs to win that belt and then move to the world title. Uh, Ron, you got any opinion on either one of those since you, uh, I know, said that you had a hard time picking one? Oh, no. Oh, no. You are absolutely right. And as you were talking about it, I'm literally re-watching it in my mind. What a phenomenal match that was. And I remember, you know, that handing of the title, you know, and yeah, that the way he uh, rolled him up, uh, the way Brett rolled him up at the end made so much sense, you know, of course, with him being the excellence of execution and always being able to find a way out of any move and to use that for a pinfall. And yeah, this is what catapulted him. And, you know, you and I had discussed in previous podcasts how uh, we enjoy when the mid-level titles are held in higher regard. And yeah, they do need to get back to that those are the guys who should be challenging for uh, a crack at the whatever world title is uh, from where they're fighting. It needs to be a stepping stone. Uh, Sean, we're going to go to we, – we were trying to be more positive because we have been a little negative on our last podcast. I only have one negative question on this list, but what is your most overrated Mania match of all time? Uh, so if you're asking me to be positive and then you're going to bring up most overrated, then uh, <laughs> I'm going down the negative train here, man, because – I put, and I'm sure you saw my response, I said, anything with Brock Lesnar 
anything with Roman Reigns. And so subsequently, Reigns versus Lesnar takes the ultimate suck it award. I mean, I, I just, I don't see. And the crowd was telling them, you know, uh, how horrible those matches are. I didn't understand any of what, of the buildup and why they kept pushing it and forcing it down our throats. Um, I think Brock is a blast for me to wrestle it, and I think Reigns is a close second. Um, however, I kind of had a caveat to that uh, because I put the uh, Triple H and Sting match is the most overrated because even rating it at a zero is overrating it because Vince <laughs> and his bitterness, uh, you know, and jealousy, he just totally dropped the ball on what could have been a huge financial market for him, basically on another icon. Um, but I think his hatred towards Sting and, his, and Sting's loyalty to himself, to WCW, to TNA, and, and not to be under Vince's wing, um, you know, ultimately I think that cost Vince because he – Sting brought in a huge market. And you should, I mean, hear the pops when that guy shows up in WWE. And then for them to end it like they did, uh, it was just junk. Like, you could have brought in all of our generation um, fans back into that. You you just sold us all um, once Sting is back. And then the new kids, they see a kid, uh, you know, a wrestler up there with that kind of face paint and that kind of, mysteriousness, uh, they're going to be all in with them. Um, and, you know, Triple H basically ripped off Sting with the whole sledgehammer deal. DX ripped off NWO. And, you know, you had it all right there. You could have had, like, this epic WCW, WWE without WCW being this little, uh, you know, ugly stepchild um, and really, really made another icon. And he just, Vince uh, in his selfishness, I think he he pissed away of a perfect opportunity. I I can't agree with you anymore. Uh, I also have for my overrated Mania match the Lesnar Reigns. I just think it's not a terrible match. It just gets such like kind of a positive reaction here four or five years later, and it's saved by the Rollins cash in, and it's just on shock value. The match isn't great. It's not even great once Rollins gets in there, and it's very short. But I want to talk just for a second more about the, the Sting because it, it was a baffling decision at the time, uh, especially when you look at Triple H, who has this, you know, fair or unfair moniker of, you know, the guy that buries people. And, I mean, if you really look at it, Triple H over the last decade has lost most matches to the guy. Uh, the only exception I can really remember is CM Punk because people say guys like Dean Ambrose, and it's like no offense to Ambrose. He wasn't the guy. He had not been a champion at the time that they met at that pay-per-view before Mania. Uh, and, I mean, overall, Triple H puts people over, and I'm with you. If you let Sting win that match, uh, and, I mean, even if you bring Taker back for SummerSlam, I mean, just imagine the momentum of Sting-Taker uh, at either SummerSlam, or I can't remember if he got hurt before that next Mania or if it was after it, uh, but it just it was a blown opportunity. I mean, it was literally the one guy that, you know, wrestling fans like us who had, you know, been through the WCW or even the NWA and WWE guys, it was the one guy we wanted to see fight the guys in WWE and to finally get it. And not only have him lose, but just to make it such a mess with all the interference and stuff, mm-hmm. it, it is. It's it's a horrible match. Ronnell, what's your uh, most overrated match? 
My most overrated match, and this is probably going to surprise some people, even though you guys put on some fantastic points, and uh, I very much agree with pretty much anything Roman Reigns and Brock, Brock Lesnar. You talk to most knee wrestling fans, and everybody is just like, why are you feeding us these guys over and over? Like, we're going to get it again, and the only reason that there would have been a pop had there been uh, an audience to be able to watch it is just because it would be Roman taking the strap from um, Goldberg. Because, you know, of course, Goldberg doesn't need to be having it. But anyway, to my most overrated, I am going to go with an actual classic, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Uh, Like, Andre was so broken at this time, and he put everything on the line just to put over Hulk Hogan once and for all, and it was a painstaking we, – we had like a three-minute bear hug. Uh, I mean, yes, I, I understand that back in these times that, you know, people got put to sleep from the bear hug and so on and so forth. And when it makes sense, but watching this match, especially uh, historically now, it's just painful to watch anymore. And the fact that, you know, Andre did all of that just – of course, I mean, yes, Andre is honestly one of the greatest wrestlers of all time because his spectacle brought so many eyes to the business. But that match was just terrible. Sean, any thoughts on either of ours? Um, I'm going to stay quiet because I don't want Andre the Giant returning from the dead to come down and talk <laughs> me. So, uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, he may come and get me. I understand that. <laughs> he, he very well may. And, you know, it is. I, I'll i die quickly, at least. You know, he'll, he'll be able to get his hands around my I, neck quite I, easily. I think what we can find solace in is that we can all agree on this. Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, please save us. You know, somebody just take these guys out of their misery. Oh. And stop forcing yes. it down our throats. It, it, it's and they had so it three sad too because <laughs> because Rock pre injuries and pre MMA was such a freak of nature. The things that he used to be able to do, how quick he was, how athletic he was, jumping off the top rope, which ultimately led to his injuries. But what an amazing guy! And it's just he's a shell of himself now. I mean, yeah, also, would, I would die quickly, but why? Why anymore? I will say, too, that Lesnar will still occasionally put on good matches. Because, like, I think about his uh, match against CM Punk at SummerSlam, I guess it was like four or five years ago. That was incredible. His Daniel Bryan uh, champion versus champion match, just that was last year, right? Was re- Or two years ago, excuse me was really great, but overall, it's just rinse and repeat. So uh, let's go to the top five performers at Mania all time. Uh, Sean, I'll let you go first, but you cannot have HPK five times. (laughs) Dylan, 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 and Dylan. I'll go with with, uh, the showstopper, the main event, the icon, Mr. WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels. That's five right there. 
so I went, my number one was, of course, Mr. WrestleMania, HBK. Uh, number two, Stone Cold. Uh, I think his matches uh, with, obviously, Brett, we talked about. Even his match with Sean was good, um, you know, and that was kind of when he became the man, uh, winning the title. The whole play with Mike Tyson was cool. Um, then he went on after that, um, battled uh, The Rock for several um, WrestleManias. So, you know, his importance in WrestleMania history can't be understated. And then Bret Hart, um, obviously we mentioned him with his matches with Stone Cold and Shawn. Uh, however, you know, I mean, his match with Owen is a huge uh, part of WrestleMania's, you know, his loss to Owen. And also his match with uh, Yoko Uno. Yoko. Uh, Yoko yeah, Zuna. Yoga Zuna. Yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, just for Brett to be able to make that an interesting match, um, I think speaks to his accolades. And then I went with the Macho Man, um, just because that dude was a spectacle. He was freaking hilarious. He had a phenomenal match with Hogan with the uh, the clash of the Mega Powers. He had a phenomenal match with uh Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, you know, uh, so he's always up there, and then uh, The Rock is is up there as well. All right, Ronald, what's your top five? My top five, um, Hulk Hogan, of course, without WrestleMania would not have been built without. Um, The Undertaker, of course, for his streak. Um, The Rock, Slash Stone Cold because uh, I, I you know I was gonna put just The Rock but it's like it was I was juggling between The Rock and Stone Cold so I figured I'd put them both there because without their battles and their uh, contributions to WrestleMania of course we wouldn't have it as big as we do and then the last two are the two who ushered it in um, Bret Hart. Uh, like you, like you guys are probably also going to say, uh, like Sean said, and of course, the Heartbreak Kid. So yeah, I have uh, Sean and Brett. So we're not going to go over that again. We've, we've had enough love for both of them. Uh, I'm going to steal your Stone Cold Rock because that uh, allows me to get the other three that I wanted on there. Uh, and I love that because uh, I mean, honestly, Stone Cold for Impact is greater, but if you look at The Rock, he actually had a longer and better run, and I mean, even his match, which I think it was WrestleMania 21, which was, it was either 20 or 21, and it was his last one, it was him and uh, Mick Foley versus Evolution, like, that's a fun match, I was looking at Rock, WrestleMania, went back and watched it, and I loved it, uh, and I mean, you got that, you got obviously the Hogan match, uh, the Madness was also on my list, the Macho Man. I think he's the most underrated guy in the biz. Uh, his match at Mania 8 with Flair uh, was great. And then I'm going to talk in detail about his match with the Ultimate Warrior at Mania 7 in just a few minutes. Uh, and then my last guy on the list is Chris Jericho. Uh, he's still setting the wrestling world on fire all these years later. I know this is somebody most people won't think of, 
But he's had so many great Mania matches, and he has not had the amount of big names or marquee matches that most of the other guys on this list have. It's you know people remember obviously the HBK CM Punk Triple H matches, but it's easy to forget his two Money in the Bank performances, which that was his idea. Uh, he never won the match; it was literally his mm-hmm. idea. You're welcome, Vince. Uh, and then he had classics with Edge, <laughs> Christian, and more recently Kevin Owens and AJ Styles. Uh, and I just think that Jericho. If he continues to have the run he is now in AEW, you're going to not only see him on lists like this that's your WrestleMania-centric, but you're going to start seeing him on Mount Rushmore, all-time lists. I mean, this guy was great in ECW. Oh, yeah. He was great in New Japan. He was great in WCW. He was great in WWE over multiple decades, and now he's great in AEW. And it's just it's, – it's really amazing that he continues to just put on great matches and evolve as a character. Uh, I got to give him more props than I usually do. Um, I remember Chris Jericho and the WCW kind of this little annoying, you know, disco inferno fighting guy. Um, And he wasn't like a main, but, you know, he was taking on Dean Malenko, which was a phenomenal wrestler, and battling that intercontinental U.S. title. Uh, but for him to be, you know, what Vince would look at as like a WCW peon, to come into WWE to win the titles and to be a mainstay there uh, really speaks volumes for his abilities and his skills because – most WCW guys uh, were not treated well, so he must have had quite an impact to come in and to, you know, unite the titles and to, to have the kind of same power that he did. Ron, you got any more points on this one? Oh, no. Um, I think you guys hit hit them both all on the head. Um you heard on the last go-round or maybe the one before where I had really given it up to Chris Jericho and like uh, like he was saying, uh, like Sean was just saying, I'm already putting Jericho on my Mount Rushmore, like what he's been able to do across multiple uh, wrestling organizations, uh, second to none. All right, before we move on to the last of the best of uh, mania topics, uh, my lovely wife, Brittany, reminded me, and it actually was, and I wanted to mention that for the top five Mania matches of all time, the one that was just outside of there, and I was really close to putting it on, but I didn't. And with ladies wrestling really becoming so great in the last couple of years, the WrestleMania 32 match between Charlotte, Sasha, and Becky. The triple. Uh, I actually watched it recently. Yes, it's incredible. Like, it, it's still really great. Other than the fact that I worry, like, three different times, like I do in all Sasha matches, that she's either going to kill somebody or kill herself uh, with the way she bumps. <laughs> but, I mean, it is an incredible match. I still think they should have let Sasha or Becky go over in that moment only because – I mean, Charlotte's the best women's wrestler in the world. I I don't even like to argue with people about that. I love Becky, but Charlotte is just so big and so good in the ring, and she's a great talker. But I didn't think she needed that moment, and the other two girls did. 
Uh, I guess we wouldn't have had the Becky moment, you could say, without this. Uh, but I just did want to include that uh, before we move on to last. And you guys got any more comments on the topics we talked about, anything you may have missed before we get to that last uh, mania question? None for me. None for me. All right. So the last one, and this was very confusing when I posted it in the IB uh, uh, group page. Your favorite Mania match when you include the build-up, storyline, and payoff. And if I had to keep responding, it's different than your favorite Mania match or even your top five matches because you're including the build-up and the storyline and the payoff along with the match. So it's the entirety of the story, which is why this is your favorite. So, Rano, what is your favorite Mania match when you include all that? Uh, if I were to include all that, I could go with two of the ones that I had mentioned on either my favorite Mania match or for my top five. What I think I'm going to go with, though, honestly, is Steamboat Savage because it was the first time to me that they really started using elements outside of the ring to build the story. Of course, the match began because, you know, Savage attacks uh, Steamboat, crushes his larynx with the, with the ring bell from jumping off the top of the rope and so on. And then, um, you know, of course, Steamboat goes away for a little while. He comes back a few weeks later, maybe a month later, and they're showing him going to rehab, trying to relearn how to talk. Say E. He. He. <laughs> And, and <laughs> then, you know, uh, maybe a week later or, you know, they had him or maybe later in that promo, they have him trying to do the promo to Savage. And it was basically the only time he spoke leading up to that match. And he was all, you know, straining Savage. I want to talk to you now. And you seeing him grabbing at his throat and all that, all that buildup. And it's like, me, I'm still a kid at the time. I'm like, oh, my God, how is he going to wrestle? He can barely breathe. He can't talk. And the match that they put on, holy crap, the match they put on. And then George the Animal Steel steals the bell. Ricky winds up winning. And, I mean, just the celebration that I had for that, it, like, it gave me everything. Got the whole story and got me so involved, like, to the point where I was literally crying when this happened because like the way every, my my emotions were tied into this match. And so that is to me, the biggest story match payoff. It it gave it all in one shot. I'll always remember to macho man. Cause you know, that was the really cool year that they had the like motorized mini rings and him riding back mm-hmm. with his head down and Elizabeth rubbing, you know, his back and stuff. And it just showed, like, how much it meant to both of the characters. Sean, what's, what's your match? Uh, so I initially had on there the Stone Cold versus Brett just because, you know, the paradigm shift that occurred for WWE there. Um, you know, the, the basically the start of the era, the start of Stone Cold, which, you know, that just took it on to a whole new level. Um, and it just, I think it changed wrestling. I think it changed kind of the, uh, the extreme of it, kind of the cartoonish of it and brought this more blue collar, 
you know, everybody hates their boss. I can relate to this guy um, type shift. I think that's up there. I think uh, either one of the Sean versus uh, Takers because uh, the buildup to the build up to the second one and the payoff from the first one, which created the second one, um, you know, you got to throw that in there. However, I do want to talk about if you're going to stick to yours, the, the macho man versus the warrior. Uh, yep. Cause I'll let you elaborate on that. But yeah, I mean that, that thing, that was an amazing match. Well, you got, did you have another one though? No. Okay. I just make sure. Uh, I was going to put the Flair HBK at, uh, I believe it was Mania 25 or 26. Uh, if you don't remember, I'm not going to go into great detail. Flair was basically told by McMahon, the next match you lose, you retire. Uh, and he went on this crazy winning streak, won all these matches. And then, you know, he said he wanted to fight HBK at Mania. HBK is like, no. And, you know, because he was his, his favorite wrestler growing up and just the way it ended with the sweet chain music with I Love You. Like, I mean, that's that's is around the time that I came around to where, like, okay, HBK is, like, obviously one of the top two or three greatest wrestlers of all time. But the match that I want to go over is the Macho Man versus Ultimate Warrior, which is honestly could have gone under the underrated uh, match in Mania history as well. But I didn't want to put it on here twice. For those that don't know, the build was the Macho King. He was the first ever king in WWE, kind of the same thing they're doing now. Uh, he cost the Warrior the title at the Rumble after his win over Hogan at WrestleMania six. He was angry because Warrior would not give him a title match. This eventually led up to a career versus career match at Mania seven. I'm pretty sure this is the first one that ever happened at a major event in WWE pay-per-view uh, before the match begins, Bobby the Brain Heenan, that's one of the things if you go back and watch these earlier matches, Gorilla Mahonsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan were so great on commentary. But they were Bobby so the Brain great. notices so great. The uh, lovely Miss Elizabeth in the crowd, uh, both of the guys come down in the wildest outfits you've ever seen. Warrior has on knee pads with Macho's face on one knee pad, his face on the other, his trunks, which I forgot this, it has a picture of the WWF belt, and it says this match means more than the title. And I'm shocked they let him go out there with that. But it's a really underrated match. Most of it is your typical heel versus face. Macho just heals out the entire match with Queen Sherry, who is just helping him the entire time, the two-on-one game. Eventually, Macho hits six straight elbow drops. And this shows kind of the respect of the Macho Warrior rivalry from a you know a wrestling perspective that he didn't it wasn't he hit six elbows where he's trying for a pin each time the dude literally would hit elbow go right back up top elbow six times of course the Warrior kicks out eventually comes back and wins you then have Sherry turn on the, the Macho Man beating him down you know cussing him out for losing then the lovely Elizabeth she comes over the rail into the ring. Basically throws Sherry out of the ring. Savage at first is like unaware who she is because he's like, you know, been getting beat down. He almost throws a wild punch at her. Then Caesar starts doing all of his macho man stuff where he's pointing at her and, you know, looking all freaking crazy. And the crowd is losing their mind wanting them to break. And they like, they hold for like a minute before they actually do it. Finally, they embrace. 
Elizabeth is crying. The fans are crying. Hell, I might have shared a tear just watching it this morning. And then I love this exchange between Gorilla and Heenan. And, again, this is why, like, the commentator could be so much better. Gorilla goes, what a woman, what a man. And Heenan, without hesitating, goes, better than a love story if you're into that kind of crap. This ended a three-year split. Uh, since Macho had dropped Elizabeth after the Mega Powers exploded, he turned heel. So, I mean, it was a buildup of almost three years of storytelling. And what's even more amazing is they built future storytelling into it because now Macho is retired. So how are you going to get him back? They have Jake the Snake. But the Macho and Elizabeth are getting married. It's the match in hell or the uh, match in heaven and the match in hell so you got Elizabeth and Macho getting married at SummerSlam, and then the Hogan Warrior versus Slaughter and two other guys at SummerSlam. Jake the Snake basically breaks into the, I guess you'd call it the after party, attacks them. That eventually brings Macho Man back. He's the champion a year later at WrestleMania Eight. That is how you do a story. That is how you do a build-off, and that is a payoff. And I just, it really is one of the most, underrated, forgotten about, great matches. And it's still the only time I can remember that Ultimate Warrior had, like, actually a good straight-up wrestling match. Like, the one versus Hogan would probably be his other, like, you know, candidate at WrestleMania six, but he was so much better in this one. And, again, I just think that speaks to how great Macho Man is. Oh, you guys yeah. got anything oh, on man. that one? Oh, no. I Man, I... You just really took me back down memory lane, and, and I really do thank you for for uh, assembling this podcast in this fashion. All the memories that we got to come across, but man, that match was so amazing, and the pop when they finally embraced. I probably, too, got a little all weepy because, you know, I was so into it at the time, and, you know, Macho and Elizabeth, I mean, how can you not love that love story, even though for the most of his career there, he was a heel? Like, it gives you, gave you all the drama that you wanted. Sean, you got anything you want to go over on that or any of the other yeah, stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Macho, as much as he was a heel, people loved him, you know. Uh, even when he was a bad guy, people loved him just because he was so – outlandish um and like you said you know he brought out the best in the warrior for that match um and then even how warrior pinned him you know with his yep. uh, foot on his chest basically standing <laughs> over him posing him <laughs> um you know that was unique and then yeah the the end for sherry and elizabeth and i mean that storyline carried you know, all the way into WCW into the nineties with Savage and and Sherry, you know, and into the two thousands and uh you know, the, the, the first couple of wrestling. Um so yeah, that that was moving. You don't you, it's hard to create things like that. Sean, do you gotta go or could, we're gonna talk just for a few minutes. We got about another ten, fifteen minutes left. I was gonna talk about what's going on with basically the crowdless shows. Yeah, I'm going to have to bail out then. You know, it's time to go, brother. Well, before you go, I just want to let you hear the intro into this podcast because I know you weren't on, and we really appreciate you doing this. Did you? Thank you, Ronell and uh, 
you for having me, and I, I hope there's some girls screaming and some sexy boy music about to be playing. Are you ready? Oh. Hey, thank you. Tell us what to do. same song just riding down the road and be happy uh sean we appreciate you coming on man and we're gonna definitely have you on in the future thank you so much for doing this buddy thank you gentlemen take care man thanks for joining us sean that was great man thank you man thank you. all right ron so what, what's um you want you want to talk a little bit about this because it's been really interesting what's going on uh obviously and we don't you know want to make light of it because it's I mean, it's scary out there right now. Me and uh, Alan talked about this a little bit on our gambling podcast on Tuesday. Uh, people, please be safe. And, you know, let's listen to the scientists. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Not, uh, you know, the conspiracy theorists and people on social media. But one really interesting thing coming out of it is obviously the show must go on. Wrestling has these big contracts, uh, especially for their TV shows. So WWE has gone where they're doing it from the Performance Center. They've done a SmackDown and a Raw with no crowd. I thought SmackDown was better than people thought. Obviously, Vince or somebody in power with WWE did not because they really changed it going into Raw where they, you know, they showed the entire Royal Rumble match, which that with commercials was, what, probably over half the, you know, the three-hour show. What have you thought so far mm-hmm. about the just the two WWE shows without uh, an audience? And we'll get into the Mania thing here in a minute. Certainly. Um, I totally agree with you. Um, I do think that SmackDown was done better. The fact that um, they even ma- managed to have a match, um, cut a couple of promos. I actually thought what uh, – the fiend and John Cena did was pretty freaking spectacular for an empty uh, stadium event. But honestly, raw really is uh, disappointed me. And even from what I saw uh, out of NXT, uh, I haven't gotten a chance to watch the full thing. So I'm reserving uh, placing full judgment is that mostly that they were just going over story or, or things that already happened and using that rumble match. I mean, as good of a match as it was, you're right. It's, that was like a good 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Like, so we're talking a good chunk of your show was wasted showing a replay. Whereas what AEW did by just sprinkling a couple of the talent as the audience, just so that we had a little background noise, it made the difference. Hell, they even got a chance to cut a couple of promos, um, you know, like the Jake the Snake interview. What I thought they did and with the way that they introduced Matt Hardy at the end, all the way up in the bleachers, like I'm pretty sure I'm one of many who marked out in their living rooms when they saw the drone popping in. And then when it actually happened, the piano started going, and then 
all the way up in the rafters, there's Matt Hardy. They put together a great show on AEW. I don't know how that's going to affect them moving forward. I do like the fact that they were forward about it during that Cody promo in the beginning, that they're still planning on going forward, and this is what we're doing. And, yeah, our minds are still on putting across the show, uh, but we're doing it uh, as safely as we can, all things considered. So I personally thought that uh, SmackDown did a pretty decent job for what the, for the cards that they were given, and AEW knocked it way out of the park. I uh, pretty much completely agree with everything you just said, so I'm not going to rehash that. The one thing that concerns me, because I thought AEW's show was amazing, is they are still building an audience on TV. Uh, and the, there's two things, actually, I wanted to say real quick. The This has really proven that the crowd is the true MVP in wrestling because it's so weird not having that energy, you know, either the mm-hmm. cheers, the boos, the chants. Uh, and I just hate because AEW had such a great show. Could you imagine with the the Brody Lee reveal, the, you know, you talked about the Matt Hardy reveal. And, I mean, there would have been some huge pops. You know what I'm saying? Like, the fans would have been going crazy. And I just hope in the long run that doesn't hurt the product or their characters by having arguably two of the biggest moments they've had since they've gone to TV happen without an audience. And they also have set up these expectations to where I'm worried now people are going to say if it gets a little stale, because I think it's going to be difficult to do this for a sustained period of time for any of these, you know, is that Mm -hmm. going to get some negative reaction that they probably don't deserve and I really do believe WWE is not worried about Raw. They're not worried about SmackDown. And that's the last thing we're going to talk about. They're worried about if they end up doing this mania. Uh, it's From what I've heard, this is going to happen. It's, it's a two-night mania. Uh, they're going to do it in several different locations is what I've been reading lately. And they're saying with no crowd, which... Uh, I'm kind of with you, like, even if it's just wrestlers, the staff, whatever, I think it would make a difference. Uh, I think there's some interesting ways they can go with this, but it's a WrestleMania. It's going to go down in history forever as, you know, the clash of the immortals. And it's like, it's probably going to be really weird. And I'm concerned. And I'm actually hopeful right now or, or wanting them to postpone this. If you want to do a pay-per-view on that night, Great, just don't call it WrestleMania. Let's move it to a different time this year. Hopefully, after all this just terrible news and sadness and sickness and stuff is, you know, we're past it and have it then so it can have its moment. What are you thinking about this mania and the two nights and without a crowd? I'm I'm actually concerned as well. Um, I, I, like you, hope that um, – they do find some way to kind of fill it. I'm sure that they've got a bunch of people working right now as to how can we make this a little more interactive so that we can, uh, you know, kind of generate a little bit of more emotion from our viewers. But I totally agree with you about uh, the fans really being the MVP because uh, I, what concerned me about Raw, 
I was excited about the Stone Cold coming back, but when I knew it was going to be in front of an empty crowd, that's when I was like, how are they going to make this work? A Stone Cold coming back only works because the crowd is going to lose their minds. And don't get me wrong, Stone Cold did take lemons and turned it into a decent glass of lemonade with him and Byron Saxon in there. Turned it out okay. But if the if the crowd was there, totally different reactions. So it, it really got me concerned with how they're going to do this uh, WrestleMania. Um, hoping that when, once we find out what the other venues are going to be, maybe we can uh, breathe a little easier, uh, maybe have a little uh, better understanding as to the, the matchups and who's going to be where. But uh, I'm, I'm Larry, and like, like you, I said before, you know, postpone it. Even if you had to cancel SummerSlam, I get it. SummerSlam is one of the big fours, but you know, WrestleMania is the granddaddy of them all. You know, we can't we can't sell that one short. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I guess the only thing I can think of is this could be, you know, if they. I think they're going to need to not do it live. I hope that if they're going to go forward with that, they need to do recorded tapings early. They need to make sure these matches are unbelievable, both in the ring, telling stories, because you're not going to have that crowd to kind of help you along. What we talked about with the Stone Cold Bret Hart match and why it's one of the greatest of all time is that match doesn't work if obviously Bret and Stone Cold don't do what they did in the ring. But I really don't think it works if the crowd doesn't you know, go along with it. They mm. went right along with mm-hmm. the story, almost like it was, you know, they were in on the plan all along, which it, it just, it's going to be interesting. I think they should be very creative. I've seen the joke online several times that it would be great in a fourth wall moment if when they came out, they had Vince or somebody welcome to WrestleMania and say we have a sold out attendance of 150,000 uh, when there's nobody there because we know how they love to tout at every mania that they have broken yet another record attendance. Uh, that would be mm. pretty funny. And I, I mean, I think they really do have an opportunity to do some creative things. Sadly, I feel a little bit more confident that AEW is going to be the one that does cool and innovative things with this current situation rather than WWE. But hopefully that's what they're doing is they're just building up to WrestleMania They're trying to figure out, you know, they're almost in a holding pattern right now where they're like, let's just keep putting out content to make the TV people happy and let's figure out what we're going to do because there's still some great matches on the card that I'm really excited about seeing. So I don't want to say I have no hope, but I am very concerned. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, I'm one of the matches I'm very much looking forward to is that, uh, Edge and Randy Orton match. That one's probably going to be the the match of the event, no matter with or without crowd. I mean, with a crowd, it would have been much crazier, I, un, uh, understandably. But I, I think that that one's going to be the one that really takes the show. I, I completely agree. Uh, and I'm also interested to see if they do this John Cena, Bray Wyatt, like at a location uh, you know, I guess he challenged them at a Hooters. I don't think they're gonna actually do it at a Hooters, but it would be pretty cool if they did. Uh, you know, who knows? Mm. Uh, there's just there's a lot of opportunities to do different stuff. 
And I really do the hope that they tape all this stuff. I mean, what's the difference? Uh, you know, it, to me, in this situation, if fans found out it was taped and then they bitch, like, come on. Like, we're, I, we should all be as fans grateful that they continue to put on product and give us something because that's right. what we talked about on the gambling podcast the last two weeks. It's depressing as hell for sports and entertainment because there's no sports. Uh, even like your favorite TV shows and movies are either halting production or they're not going to release the movie at all. Uh, and, you know, people need that kind of stuff right now because, God almighty, you turn on the news and it just it, – it's it's depressing. It's just really depressing. So I do appreciate, uh, you know, the wrestlers and the companies for continuing to put something on for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm trying to avoid the news as much as possible, but the problem is that right now you really can't because we have to stay informed, you know, be smart, make the right choices, things of that nature, you know, go out only when you must. Other than that, you know, yeah, I'm happy that um, this is like the only thing that I do pretty much care to watch in downtime. I try to limit my television. So wrestling is mostly it. And the fact that they're still putting out stuff. Yeah. uh, You know, I I may complain a little bit, but I'm still here, you know? And that's, that's what's great about wrestling because you're invested. You know what I mean? And that's what I always tell people. That's why fans are, you know, typically fans for a long period. Uh, You know, I I said on the last podcast, I was a fan when I was young, took about a, four or five year break got back into it took about a six seven year break and then been in ever since and uh you know that it's it's that investment and you know it's kind of like your family where you can hate on it but at the end of the day we still love it you know what i mean and we're still going to be excited for it uh moving down the road but uh this has been a lot of fun man i i enjoyed this i want to definitely get together for another uh, you know, Mania Preview uh, podcast, if it looks like that's where they're going. So probably next week, that's what we will do. Uh, and then obviously discuss what happens on TV and all the wrestling shows uh, this week. Do you have anything you want to plug or uh, before we get out of here? Absolute, absolutely. Um, you can get your uh, credit repaired with me, Ronald Tinsley. You can uh, visit me at harvestcreditors.com, my Facebook personal page or business page, both under Ronald Tinsley. Keith, man, this was such a fantastic show. I had such a blast doing this one. I did too. We're going to get more creative in some of the stuff that we're doing uh, because obviously there's not a lot of stuff. There's a lot of podcasts that are struggling for content, and wrestling is lucky that A, it's still ongoing, and B, there's just so many things. I mean, maybe we'll do a top ten all-time list. We're going to do some fun stuff. We'll continue to obviously share with the group. Uh, we appreciate the support. I really appreciate my buddy Sean calling in and helping us with this list. Uh, my co-host, Ron L., as always, was awesome. Uh, and before we get out of here, I just want to plug our podcast, uh, the backdoor cover. It's depressing times. Please pray for my boy Alan, aka Actively Lazy. I'm worried about him. He hasn't been able to gamble except for on a Louisiana horse race in the last ten days. So that tells you where he's at. Uh, so pray for him. But continue to listen to our podcast. We are going to keep putting out content. We talked mostly about the NFL last week. It's probably going to be mostly NFL again this week because it's really the only thing that there's news on right now. But Team Turnbuckle will be back uh, next week. And for your host, Keith and Ron L, we appreciate it. And 
Let's get that jam going one more time on the way out. Are you ready? They think you can tell us what to do. 